0: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. It's already been an exciting week. It's Tuesday. It feels like a Friday already. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West will bring us to the border in Texas uh, and tell us what else is going on there as have 25 states have sent the National Guard. In New York, they're calling for the governor here, Democratic governor. It's not likely to send the National Guard there, too, because outside the border cities, the border states, we are the most affected here. It is truly lawlessness through people who have no business being here. And Senator James Langford is standing by also had the sad news of Toby Keith's passing at the age of 62. He was a great friend of the show. Spent a couple of hours here on this radio show. I uh, could talk about anything. Extremely patriotic guy. He's going to be missed. But let's get to, before we get to Senator Lankford, the big three.
0: Now with the stories you need Today. to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
2: Number three. Anyone that is a repeated offender of a violent crime, if they are... Part of the migrant asylum seekers, they have found guilty. I think that the federal government should do their job of deporting that person.
1: City to city, illegals are creating havoc, leading crime waves, drunkenly fighting in our shelters, and now beating down our cops. We look at the challenges facing inner cities because of our broken border and outright invasion. As someone once said, they are not sending us their best.
3: Number two. One, hundred and sixty billion dollars that taxpayers don't have to pay to Medicare to give them these before the pandemic there were 750 48 or maybe roughly 750
1: What's he talking about? 2024, President Biden, another disastrous speech on his unique re-election schedule as former President Trump has two requests. He wants to debate right now and he wants to take the current president's interview slot at the Super Bowl. After all, if the president won't do a sit down and talk about what he's doing, why not hear from someone who will tell you what he would do?
4: Number one. This is a very bad bill for his career, uh, and especially in Oklahoma. I know those people. They're great people. They're not going to be happy about this. The people in Oklahoma are, you know, these are serious mega. These are
1: serious people. Uh, President Donald Trump, not for that border bill, obviously. The border bill blow up from the minute it was released, emotions, rhetoric, and accusations are heard throughout Washington. As a primary vote, uh, a preliminary vote on the 300-plus page bill is scheduled for Wednesday, we dive in with one of the authors, Senator James Langford. Senator, uh, welcome back, man. uh, It's like a tornado hit since it was released on Sunday. What's it been like for you?
5: Uh, it has been like a tornado. Uh, good morning, by the way, and uh, I'm with you on grieving Toby Keith's loss. He's a great Oklahoman and a great American and uh, somebody that loved our troops and loved our country deeply. And uh, so that 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 is a loss not only for country Absolutely. music but obviously for the country as a whole. Yeah, it, it has been a tornado uh, in the last 48 hours really as we're getting a chance to release it out. There's been so much misinformation out, and that's been the challenge uh, that I I, I posted a couple of weeks ago, a statement from a pastor in the 1850s who who made a statement. uh, The lie gets halfway around the world before the truth gets its boots on, and that is the challenge of trying to be able to get facts and information out. like this uh, 5,000 number that everyone's throwing around saying it lets 5,000 people in a day, which is absolutely ridiculous and is not what the bill does at all the heart of the bill is adds more border wall uh, adds detention beds adds deportation flights adds ice agents adds border patrol agents uh, adds fentanyl interdiction puts sanctions on cartels uh, for fentanyl it uh, changes the asylum laws which has been a big issue for a long time something President Trump asked for when he was president it was a change in asylum law it accelerates all of the process for our hearings so it doesn't take 10 years to get an answer which is the current status now it takes days days to weeks to months, and we can actually turn people around and deport them quickly. That's the heart of the bill. On the backside of the bill, literally seven pages at the end of it says if all of those things don't work and we have a flood of people come at us, or right now what's happening, like yesterday we had 6,700 people that crossed our border that the Biden team just released into the country. It changes the paradigm. It shifts it from Uh, catching those folks and releasing them to the country to catching those folks and deporting them. That's what that 5,000 number is all about, to say if we're getting overwhelmed and the system can't handle it, we can't deport people fast enough, then we don't process people at all. We just deport people immediately with no processing. It's an extraordinary authority on the back of it, but this bill is about zero people illegally crossing the border, not 5,000.
1: So how do you feel about, I, I could play the whole clip, but you get the gist of it. The president yesterday on with Dan Bongino saying this bad for your career that you did this and people of Oklahoma are not happy with you. How do you feel about that?
5: Yeah, so I've been overwhelmed with folks in Oklahoma that have actually contacted me and said, thanks for doing something to stop the chaos of the border. There's this frustration that people have that everyone's pursuing the perfect to say, if it's not H.R. 2 and the perfect bill, then do nothing. And there are a lot of people in Oklahoma that are calling me and saying, gosh, we got to get something done. Don't just look at it and say it's a problem. Try to figure out and see what we can get done. We have a Democrat Senate, a Democrat president, and a House with a two-vote majority Republican on it. This is a difficult time to be able to move anything through, but it's also painful for Americans. So look at millions. It's literally been four it's been a million people in the last four months that have crossed our border illegally. Everybody's saying to me in Oklahoma, do something to make this stop. Even if you can't get everything, do something.
1: So the staunchly conservative uh, union for border patrol officers endorsed the deal on Monday, saying it would codify it into law uh, law authorities that U.S. border patrol agents never had in the past. And immigration and refugee rights groups, including Amnesty International, blasted the legislation as containing the most extreme anti-immigrant proposals this country has seen in a hundred years. In a way, by blasting it, it's backing up what you're saying.
5: Yeah. It is, and and I have to tell you, all these far left groups that are attacking it like crazy, saying this is so over the top because it'll block out all their rights and everything else on it. Th- this has very fast uh, process to be able to make decisions and to be able to deport. But again, those those folks on the right are saying, hey, we want everything or we want right. nothing on it, and that's that's where we're stuck as a country. And I think we're so many Americans, right, left, and center, quite frankly, are saying let's get as much done as we can possibly get done and try to be able to solve this and understand. Some folks are like, you got to have it all, or, or you're going to get nothing. I, I just think we need to make progress.
1: So, a couple of things: Is it true if people come to the border, they could they don't have to come to the port of entry? Uh, in the past, I guess if you leave it with the letter of the law, if you don't go to the port of entry, you're not supposed to get in. Is that correct?
5: So, the the way the law works actually across the entire border, if you get across the border and you're on American soil, you can request asylum no matter where you are on it. And so that's been the challenge, even where we got the wall. So the wall in Texas, great wall. In fact, this bill builds more wall. It's one of the things we've lined up and it has to be built according to the Trump specifications in those Trump locations. So it's very strong in what we've got there for the border wall construction. But the the element that people don't realize is by the time you get to the wall in Texas, you're already in America. The international border is halfway across the river. So literally as they touch our side of the border, they're already in and they can claim asylum. Now the question is, what are you going to do with them? What Biden's doing with them is just right. releasing them in the country and saying, we've got a lot of people coming. We don't have enough time to process you. We'll process you later. They end up down the street from you in New York and everywhere else. What this bill does is says, we're going to hold them. Right. We're going to do a very fast, high-level screening, and we're going to deport you immediately. That stops the flow. When you deport people quickly, people don't come and pay a cartel $10,000 to be deported to go back home.
1: Here's what Speaker Johnson said yesterday, cut for to Laura.
0: It did not take long to realize that this is dead on arrival. There's no way we could bring this through the House. The Senate expects us to pass a a bill, a piece of legislation that you just did a great job dismantling here. What it would do is actually further incentivize illegal immigration. It would not resolve any of the problems, not reform in any meaningful way the broken asylum system, the broken parole process, and all the things that have created this catastrophe. And by the way, meanwhile... It further empowers the very cabinet secretary who designed and created this mess. They don't follow federal law. Why would we do this anyway? But the bill itself would actually do more harm than good. And that's why we've said it's, it's a non-starter over here in the House.
1: Do you share his worry about Mayorkas implementing anything that you guys put into law?
0: Well, he
5: is the current secretary of Homeland Security, but he will only be so for a few more months at the most, depending on obviously what happens in the next week or two here on it. So I I think the vision to say we've got to do whatever we can to attack Majorcas when you're making law, There's going to be a different Secretary of Homeland Security in a year and a different one five years after that and a different one five years after that. And so all this vitriol to go attack Mayorkas and be so short-sighted to be able to say we've got to do whatever we can to not put in laws that will actually be effective when we're actually – in the White House when Republicans are actually in the lead. We'll want that uh, Secretary of Homeland Security to actually be empowered. Uh, But for for whatever reason, everybody's just focused in on trying to be able to find some way to be able to attack it. I I get it. There, There are folks that say we don't want any additional law. The frustration to me on it is the House of Representatives passed HR two, a really good bill that's very comprehensive, got no Democrat support at all, didn't even get all Republicans on it, but they passed that bill and said, This is what we want to have. The the challenge that we have is when at that time a year ago they said we need new law. Now there are folks saying we don't need new new law, just Biden can do this on his own. Trump can do this on his own. We don't need new law. When Trump was president, he said we needed new law. This makes those changes. This doesn't make the asylum system worse. It makes it much better. That's why the Border Patrol Union, the people that actually implement this, that's why they're saying they want this. So I understand there are politicians here in D.C. making political statements, but the people on the ground are saying, please send this to us because this will make a bad situation better.
1: So how do you feel about the uh, the former president's criticism?
5: You know, he, he's got a job that, that he's going to do, and I get it. He, he's focused on winning an election, so he's going to get out there and make those statements. My job, I'm I'm in the Senate right now. My job on the Homeland Security Committee is to do whatever I can to be able to help secure the nation in any way that I possibly can. If he is president right. of the United States next year, he will be focused on what it takes to secure the nation. If, if he was president right now, we would not have this chaos at the border. It, it would not happen right now. But I remember even in 2019, we had some days where we had 4,000, 4,500 people illegally crossing the border, even under President Trump. And at that time, he was saying, we need changes in law, and this bill delivers those.
1: So so right now they say, as of Monday morning, 15 Senate Republicans and three Senate Democrats are opposing the bill. Does it come to the floor? And do you go back, do you rework some of this?
5: Oh, no, it, it, if it comes to the floor, it will come on uh, with the only way it will come is if we can amend it. So this was a negotiated starter bill to get us started, to get to the floor, to then be able to amend it. My focus is there are lots of things I'd love to be able to have different on this bill that obviously when I'm trying to be able to negotiate to be able to get the first round on this, we're getting it to the floor. So we get it to the floor. We work on the amendment process if we're able to get it to the floor at all. So the focus now is let's get it out there, but let's solve the problem. The worst case scenario for us is say, well, we're just going to have status quo and another two million people come into the country as you continue to be right. overrun all over the country. That's the worst case scenario for us. Let's do something to be able to solve what we can solve and then keep moving because we'll have more to do.
1: So, so Senator Langford, just mechanically, can you tell us at home, uh, my listeners, so Wednesday they might have a vote, uh, just yep. a procedural vote?
5: earliest it would come up would be tomorrow for a procedural vote. And then we'll see where it actually goes from there and what happens next on it. That is uncertain. Our conference is still talking about what we can do on the amendments, what that would look like, how we would handle it, or to be able to do it at all. Uh, Because again, there's been so much misinformation out about the bill from folks that have not read it or have just misrepresented it, uh, that it will have its own struggles on it. My challenge is, okay, if we don't do this bill, what can we do to be able to get bipartisan support to be able to actually end the crisis at the border? This is what we've been right. able to negotiate to get so far. If somebody's got a better way to do it, bring it. But let's not just sit and have a press conference about it. Let's actually solve the problem.
1: Here's what Alex Padilla said, a Democrat, cut nine, Senator. It's not something that I could support, both for reasons of what's in the package,
6: like you know, Trump-era policies of uh, regular border closures, lack of due process, but also for what's not in the bill. You know, Historically, we've bound some uh, uh, border enforcement proposals with some uh, legal pathways,
1: for example. Not a single dreamer will benefit or receive relief uh, through this measure. So you think he's accurate in portraying it? He actually is. That's the
5: funny thing. You're actually playing a Democrat senator who's actually accurately portraying what's actually in the bill. There's no amnesty of any type in this bill. And it's been one of the great frustrations on the far left that they've always wanted to say, we'll do border security when we get amnesty. There's no amnesty at all in this bill. And it does tighten down a lot of things. Due process is removed from a lot of these locations so we can rapidly move through the hearings and actually get people deported on it. It is a detain and deport bill.
1: Um, Senator, a lot of people have said they're worried about the people. They're not official judges. They're gonna decide if uh if these people get in or not, if their if their claims are legitimate, if they have proof that there are their yeah. lives in danger. They're not judges. Uh but who would actually be taking in the intake and making the decisions?
5: Yeah, there's two groups of folks that make decisions right now. We're called asylum officers. They work for DHS, and you've got immigration judges that work for the Department of Justice. The immigration judges are not judges. That is their title, but they're not judges. They are employees that work for Merrick Garland. In the Isn't that a problem,
1: though? This is, and I know you just look. Your critics would say you just gonna say wait nine months and hopefully have a new president. But when people look at Merrick Garland and they look at Mayorkas and they think that they have to answer to them, there's no way they're going to be as strong as Senator Langford says the bill claims they have to be. That's the worry.
5: Yep, and the, the fear is once, as long as we have Biden in the White House then we're going to have all of our own challenges here. But I, I remind people, we're not going to always have Biden in the White House. If we're making law, then right. let's make what the laws that we can at this point and know that we're going to have somebody else that's much stronger on all these policies that are coming. Even President right. Obama was better on immigration than President Biden. Uh, so we're going to have somebody much better on these issues. Let's empower the people to be able to actually implement this so right. we can actually change the direction at the border right now.
1: Real quick, what happened to the foreign aid, Ukraine and Israel?
5: Yeah, I have no idea uh, where that goes. I, obviously, that, that's, that's another big issue. The House of representatives right now is struggling through what they're going to do in Israel and if they can pass any Israel, um, in, anything at this point, uh, because all these things, we're all pieced together. And so we our focus was if any aid is going to Ukraine, we've also got to be able to secure the border. And uh, that was the agreement that uh, we've got to have a secure border before we move on Ukraine. And now if this bill goes down and there is no alternative, the House is not even working on an alternative, then we have our own challenge
1: unbelievable so much to stake Senator langford thanks so much for going out there and patiently explaining what you did along with senator murphy and senator cinema thanks senator
5: you bet let's see him solve the
1: problem yeah absolutely 1-866-408-7669 bottom of the hour we go to the board of lieutenant Colonel allen west busy day so glad you're here
0: newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the brian kilmeade show If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: I've been asking since the first thing, first bill I introduced was on the border. We don't have enough agents. We don't have enough folks. We don't have enough judges. We don't have enough folks We need help. Why won't they give me the help all this time? And now they're starting about the, about the border. It's out of control. Well, guess what? Everything in that bipartisan bill gives me control.
1: He's such a liar. He can't be that dumb. He knows that he reversed everything. He stopped building the wall, reversed return to Mexico. The first country you step in, that's where you apply. He stopped uh, letting uh, ICE cooperate with law enforcement. He he uh, He stopped. He allowed unaccompanied minors to flood into this country. We have 82,000 kids. We have no idea where they are. And he says it's because Republicans didn't give him the power? You had the power. Title 42 gave you the power. You fought and sued to get rid of it. You fought and sued to get rid of the fence that Texas had to build itself. You're suing them not to be able to arrest illegal aliens as they come in. And now you're saying, I just want the power from day one. You had a Democratic Senate, a Democratic House. If you had legislation, a couple of things. Pitch it. Show it. Talk about it. Tell the leadership to go push it forward. They would listen to you. But you didn't. You also have a majority leader who's controlling New York, who's got the most powerful politician, not in the the White House, Senator Schumer, who never talks about the 67,000 here illegally, the fights, the drunkenness, the stabbings, the moped gangs, the Venezuelan thugs, never talks about any of it. Don't tell me that's been a priority of yours. It absolutely was not and is not.
0: Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: $160 billion that taxpayers don't have to pay to Medicare to give to these guys. I make no apologies. No apologies. Roe v. Wade is taking away a woman's right to choose. Before the pandemic, there were 750, 48, or maybe roughly 750 billionaires in America. Right, right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting. I was in, I was in the south of England, and I sat down and I said, "America's back." And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me and said, uh, "said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for?"
1: That went well, didn't it? Uh, and it was even worse when you see it. Believe me, uh, it is horrendous. I mean, he's had five speeches in seven days, and uh, of four of them were major gaffes, and nobody shows up, and he won't do any interviews. And I find that inexcusable, where the Middle East is on fire. We're bombing 85 targets, maybe over 100, and we still got hit, or our allies got hit in Syria, one of the militias that we're backing, uh, from Qatab, Hezbollah. No idea what we hit or what we didn't hit. And he doesn't want to explain to the American people what he's doing, why he needs Ukraine aid, what he's going to do with Israel. We keep just hearing reports that he's just called uh, Benjamin Netanyahu a effing, you can fill in the last uh, word. He just hates a guy. Lieutenant Colonel West joins us now. Colonel, this is the most bizarre election season ever. What kind of president who wants re reelection would turn down 50 million people on Super Bowl Sunday, in a, which is likely to be a pretty soft interview?
2: Well, it's the kind of president and it's the kind of advisors that don't want to risk something bad happen like you just played. Uh, Even I know that French president, Mitterrand, has been dead for, what, 30, 35 years? But unless uh, there was some type of seance, I mean, I can't see any other way that Joe Biden was uh, speaking to him recently at a G7 conference. But it's those type of things that have the the Democratic Party very afraid to to have him out. And you're right. Here you have the the normal presidential Super Bowl interview, and he's going to take a pass on that. And I can guarantee you that they are definitely not going to bring him out to have him debates. So, again, it just brings up that, that question about when will they make the decision to move Joe Biden aside? And I think it's going to happen at their convention.
1: But, I think, but it's ultimately going to be his, his decision, don't you think? He's got the power. He's got Air Force One. He's got his family there. I mean, he does not have... Barack Obama chose Hillary Clinton over him, and he says he was mourning the death of Bo and he says he wasn't ready for it, whatever the reason was. But now yeah. he does... He is going to make the... I think he feels as though... If he's not going to run, he doesn't know it yet. How about that?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that the the machine and the levers, uh, they have not been uh, put into action to get him to step aside. And I think that's going to happen, because I don't see his approval rating uh, getting any better. And you just articulated something where we have committed American forces to attack Islamic terrorist organizations, and we don't have any explanation of it from the, uh, from the Oval Office, from the Commander-in-Chief. And that's something you should have. We don't have any explanation as to why we're allowing uh, pro-Hamas demonstrators in our streets and creating violence and and threatening people and shutting down our airports. What are you going to do about that? So, yes, I I think that there's going to come a time when the Democrat Party has to say, we can't run with this guy. We have to have someone that can take uh, a lot of the pressure off of us and can demonize Donald Trump if he's the eventual nominee.
1: Well, it's just interesting. Trump said, I'd like to debate him today and I would love to take his slot uh, on the Super Bowl on CBS. And, you know, most likely it will be an extremely tough interview. But one thing about Trump, he'll take an interview. Remember what Van Jones said a couple of weeks ago, the best thing for Joe Biden would be not to do much and to stay yeah. stay, keep a low profile. Think about that.
2: Oh, yeah. When you have someone like Van Jones, who's definitely not a constitutional conservative or uh, any, even a liberal Republican, when he is saying the best thing we need to do is to hide Joe Biden away, that tells you about the concerns and really the deep-seated fears that they have on that side. And, you know, when Donald Trump says, hey, I'll take the Super Bowl interview, and he'd take their tough questions. He'd take the hard questions. And and you're right. CBS would have such a a softball. They'd ask him about his favorite ice. Cream. What's his favorite snack that he's going to have for the Super Bowl? Uh, that does you know will Taylor Swift endorse him uh, after the Super Bowl? But they still fear him being able to uh, coherently give an interview that 50 million people will see.
1: Yeah, I want you to just so you know, um, I want to see if I can pivot. If I could to the border bill, just to give people an idea what's yeah. going to what's what's included in it hb one visas, there are the thirty two uh, there's gonna be an increase of hb one visas, thirty two thousand more green cards, fifty thousand new work visas overall, one point four billion uh for FEMA to go through the uh, uh to go through FEMA who is gonna go through these uh NGOs like Catholic charities, so they're gonna give all these people Uh, uh, all these accommodations. But here's what they do, what people do like. New asylum changes. You're really not going to get in unless you have legitimate, provable fear of your own safety. Uh, They know that they're also going to build $650 million worth of border wall. That's got to be the Trump specifications. They know they're going to add 2,000 more CBP operators. And we know this, 15 Republican senators already against it. When we got uh, yesterday morning and now it's up to 19 and three Senate Democrats are against it. Where does uh, Alan West stand?
2: I, I stand on we don't need this legislation. Uh, all you need to do is for Joe Biden to go back and reverse the 30 to 31 executive orders that he began back in January 2021 that led to this crisis. And furthermore, when you look at the tweet that um, uh, I think it's Chris Murphy, the yes. senator from Connecticut, put out that said, "Don't worry, you know, leftists, uh, the border is still open." So that tells me everything that I need to know that they're not serious about doing what needs to be done. It's Joe Biden does not need a piece of legislation to honor and do his enumerated constitutional duty and responsibility to protect our national sovereignty. He he does not need a new piece of legislation.
1: So here's what uh, Britt Hume said. Cut 12.
7: I think it is very notable that the Border Patrol Union is supporting it, even though uh, the Border Patrol generally has been extremely critical of President Biden and, and the head of the the Border Patrol uh, Union is supporting the bill, even though he's endorsed Donald Trump, who opposes it. So those are some voices I think we should listen to. And the question is whether this would make things better or whether leaving things the way they are, which is a right mess, uh, is the better option, which is what really a lot of those Republican critics, that's the option they're left with when, when they say to just shoot the bill down.
1: So live with live in this hell uh, for nine more months or pass this?
2: No, I don't think you pass this because then you're gonna hamstring defeat when you have in this legislation that we're gonna allow five thousand people to come in illegally and then that's a trigger to, to set something off. Uh that's that's a no go. Uh we should not allow anyone into this country illegally. And again, it is not about new legislation. That's the false uh, flag that Washington, D.C., always says, is when there's a problem, we have to do something new. You have laws on the books already. You have the Constitution that says exactly what the executive branch should be doing, what the legislative branch should be doing. No one is following the rule of law. And it's very interesting that Brandon Judd was the guy who once said, we don't need any new legislation for the border, we need the change in policies, and now he's coming out I'm saying I support new legislation, so it's kind of like uh, you know we have to vote for the bill before we even know what is in the bill. I, I I don't know where he is shifting his position on. And the new border patrol agents, all they're going to be used to do is to process more illegals coming across, and not going to get back to their enforcement duties.
1: Yeah, I mean he gets 2,000 more uh, agents. I think that's that happens, and he thinks it's um, he thinks it's a a step. And then when Trump gets in, he'll fix it. That's what he's hoping, anyway. So let's talk about what's happening in New York City. Sort of that two cops got beat up uh, by five guys. who got jumped. They got jumped. Well, now we caught up to the guys who got out without bail, and now Alvin Bragg is putting together a case against them and trying to convene a grand jury to try to detain them. What what pure politics?
2: Yeah, it's absolutely pure politics. It's the 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 rage that he created and now we hear about uh, some illegal immigrant that dragged a woman uh with his little cover of the New York Post motorbike. today. Cover of the New York Post today. Absolutely. Absolutely, when he's trying to take away her cell phone, this is the problem. I mean, we don't need a new piece of legislation to say that illegal immigrants should not be here beating up our police officers or not doing uh, exactly what they did to this woman. Deport them right now. That is law that we already have. This is not about you know putting them into into prison here and taxpayers paying for them to have you know a, a nice warm cot and three or four square meals a day. Deport them, and so that's the frustration. That the american people have and i don't think people trust washington dc and so uh you know until they can show that they're willing to do their job from the executive branch legislative branch supreme court who got it wrong with that decision against texas with the razor wire uh folks want to see something happen and change it's not about new legislation
1: yeah i guess not here's what edward caban he's the invisible nypd commissioner cut 25. a wave of migrant crime has washed over our city they're essentially ghost criminals, no criminal history, no photos, no cell phone, no social media. Sometimes we're even unclear on a name or a date of birth. And on top of that, these operations are extremely sophisticated. They intentionally try to evade the police. What, are your, what is your reaction to ghost criminals?
2: Well, it's absolutely correct, because when you're down along the border, Brian, what ends up happening is that people dump their ID. People dump any type of, you know, anything that can can talk about who they are, where they came from. So we're allowing people in here that there there are ghosts. They're they're like a mist. We don't know who they are, where they came from, and they're just wandering about. And and on top of that, there's the group that that we have apprehended. Then there's the group that's the godaways that are showing up in our cities. And you know you have to be concerned about this because we're not protecting American citizens. And so again, we don't need a new piece of legislation legislation to protect American citizens just do it and get them off the streets
1: I guess so uh you like what the governor's doing now Governor Abbott
2: yeah I mean it's it's you know a lot of us down here in Texas said you know this could should have been done two three years ago when Joe Biden first started this but at least Texas is standing up and they've uh, died down all this talk about federalizing our National Guard because I guarantee you most of the Texas National Guard members would not allow it to happen
1: I hear, I hear you, Colonel Allen West. Thanks so much. He's American Constitutional Rights Union executive director. Appreciate it, Congressman.
2: Always a pleasure. Thank you, Brian.
1: All right, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We heard from the, one of the authors of the uh, of the uh, border bill. You just heard from Colonel Allen West. Told us what what it is like at the border. Uh, Also, we want to take your calls. I know you have a lot to say about it. Uh, Also, make sure to listen to the Fox News app. If you have to run from our family of affiliates, the affiliate you're listening to, you just grab it. You touch watch at the bottom, and then you just page through, and you can see the show as well as listen to the show because we have a stream going. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
0: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: You can't have Trump sitting there saying, don't do anything until the election. We have a completely open border. America's acting like it's September 10th, and we better remember what September 12th felt like, because it only takes one person across that border to create a 9-11 moment. No, we are not waiting until the general election to do this, and it's irresponsible to say that Congress has to wait until a general election because Trump is worried that he's going to lose. There's a lot of reasons we got to worry Trump's going to lose, but you don't sacrifice national security to do it.
1: So that's Nikki Haley, very uh, critical of President Trump for coming out against this bill, says we should get a look at it first. She's running very aggressively against Trump still. There's just no doubt about it. She wants to get to South Carolina. She wants to pick up the pace. She wants to close the gap. She closed the gap in New Hampshire to a degree in Iowa, but she has not moved the needle yet that I could tell in South Carolina. What she's doing is... She's burning the ground that could possibly be repaired should Trump get the nomination, which seems kind of likely. And if you're, if you're betting on Nikki Haley to be a president one day, you don't want to alienate all the Trump supporters. Even though so much can change in four years, I get it. But some of the things she's saying she can't go back on. And if she feels that way and you feel she's saying exactly what you want, that's interesting because mostly Republicans are rallying around the president. Uh, and you could see it in the polls at this moment. But that's where the president came out and said, whatever you do, don't do this bill. He made it pretty clear. Langford joined us earlier and said, uh, take a look at it. Mitch McConnell weighed in, cut six.
6: And it's now time for Congress to take action <clears throat> on supplemental national security legislation. that finally meets those challenges head on. I've spoken at length for months about the urgent need to invest in American hard power stand with our allies and start showing our adversaries that the world's foremost superpower intends to start
3: acting like one again
1: yeah that's his foreign policy and he said look you told me to link it together i linked it together you know, they linked it together they put it forward and now uh, about twenty nineteen 19 to 20 republican senators are out uh we know the speaker is out We know that at least three Democratic senators are out. So what are you going to do with Ukraine funding, which I think they absolutely deserve? And I believe they, of course, have accountants follow these guys. Make it trackable. If you want to make it all weapons, go ahead. I'm fine with that. But they're they're fighting valiantly as, as a lethal fighting force through tremendously tough conditions. The Russians are using winter as their offensive time. Not a time to deny them of the aid they need, I don't think. They're also doing some substantial changes to their leadership, which could be disruptive. I understand that. Uh, But that's all tied together. This is all tied together. Uh, Mike Lee, a conservative critic of McConnell, called the bill a betrayal and demanded new GOP leadership. Quote, wouldn't it be nice if Republican leadership of the Senate cared as much about the Republicans as as they do about Senator Chuck Schumer? Tweeted Senator Josh Hawley. That's not good. So at least 10 Republicans had to vote for this bill to get it through. 19 are against it to even put it up. So they'll put it up for a procedural vote, where Senator Langford um, uh, will actually vote against it because they don't want to put a vote on it that's not going to get at least some support uh, from the Senate, or at least 50% support from the Senate, before they go give it to the House. Now, you've heard people from all sides of the aisle uh, about this, and people are comparing it to Obamacare when – uh, when, when Paul Ryan said, we've got to repeal Obamacare, we've got to do it. And when they did, they came up with the skinny plan. It was not good, and it was actually squashed by Rand Paul and Senator John McCain. Chris Maddow is a former U.S. attorney ambassador to Mexico. He's been to Mexico and back on this problem. Listen to what he said to Laura last night, cut 15.
8: The sense there is that they're suffering from this too, because this is not just a Mexican-U.S. problem. These folks are coming from all over the world, 194 countries. They're not happy about this in Mexico, in the streets of Mexico City. It's like walking through the U.N. There's people from all over the world. I think Mexico also would be delighted to have the U.S. start to crack down on these flows of illegal migrants. And this bill is going to do the opposite. It's going to encourage people to come.
1: I don't know if it's going to encourage people to come. I don't don't know where that comes from, because asylum would be tougher. They are going to add Border Patrol, but it's not going to do everything. You know, will it do enough? As Senator Langford said, this is a starting point. You guys want to debate it, make it better? Go do it. Understand you got to work with Democrats to do it. And also understand that if if the attorney general does not back you, if you don't get HHS secretary backing what the bill says to do, in nine months, you'll have a guy that wants to take advantage of it, Donald Trump. If he doesn't, then all bets are off, period. Listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Find out how to get tickets to my Henderson, uh, Nevada show. October, excuse me, April 27th. You will love it. Be there. briankilmeade.com.
0: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
1: All right, from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, Brian Kilmeade, Joe, back in a backabout and, uh, and in action. So many local shows, uh, so many local stories are, are, are national stories here. So what's happening in New York City has got everyone's attention, especially when you see the lawlessness happening with people who don't belong here, these illegal immigrants. Remember, special compensation for Venezuelans because their country's collapsed. And guess what? we got gang members here, not sending them the best. Uh, quick note, too Toby Keith has passed away at the age of 62, stomach cancer, just terrible. Great friend of the show. has been here and stayed about an hour, two or three times. Been on television. Great athlete, too. Uh, great American story. Uh, he will certainly be missed. Uh, And we'll discuss that. Uh, Griff Jenkins, Byron York, we'll do a simulcast on FBN. Tonight I'm going to be on Gutfeld, so you have something to look forward to and a reason to stay up late. So let's get to the big three.
0: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
2: Number three. Anyone that... There's a repeated offender of a violent crime. If they are part of the migrant asylum seekers, they are found guilty. I think that the federal government should do their job of deporting that person.
1: All right. Okay, good. City to city, illegals are creating havoc, leading crime waves, drunkenly fighting in our shelters, and now beating down our cops. We look at the challenges facing inner cities because of our broken border and the outright invasion. As someone once said, they are not sending
3: us their best. Number two. One. One hundred and sixty billion dollars that taxpayers don't have to pay to Medicare to give this bill. Before the pandemic, there were 750, 48, or maybe roughly seven hundred and fifty.
1: Wow. Uh, that is uh, that is Joe Biden, our president. Now, you know why he doesn't want to do any interviews? 2024, Biden, another dis- disastrous speech on his unique reelection schedule. As former President Trump has two requests, he wants to debate now and he wants to fill the president's slot at the Super Bowl because he won't do it. After all, if you will not talk about what he's doing, why not let somebody talk about what they would do if they had the job? Number one.
4: This is a very bad bill for his career, uh, and especially in Oklahoma. I know those people. They're great people. They're not going to be happy about this. The people in Oklahoma are. You know, these are serious mega.
1: These are serious people. Yep. Uh, Donald Trump weighing in on the border bill blow up and talking about Senator Langford. From the minute it was released, emotions, rhetoric and accusations are heard throughout Washington as a preliminary vote on the 300 plus page bill scheduled for Wednesday uh, is out. And we dive in uh, to that and just to give you an idea. I know you've heard a lot of the details. Just keep in mind, if people just say it's bad, it's going to let everybody in. If people say it's going to seal everybody off, they're both wrong. Just dive into it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Uh, If you want to say, I just don't want to give Joe Biden a win, just be honest about it. Don't just go say things it's not going to do. It will actually make it harder to get asylum. They'll have a shutdown mechanism. It doesn't mean you'll let 5,000 in if there was a blitz of the border. Like, for example, I didn't know this, but yesterday there was 6,700 people came to the border. If this legislation was in place, they'd have to shut down the border. And only when it was 25% below the 5,000 threshold... Would there be allowed to reopen the border? There is a mechanism in there where the president say it's a disaster, it's a pandemic, it's a flood, we got to change the rules. I really, anytime there's discretion on this president, I worry. But for nine more months, we at least have a way to stop the flow and send a message, going to get tougher to get in. Uh, I don't want to give President Biden a win on something he needs to be condemned for. If someone said, well, you can reverse things and give him a win on Afghanistan, I'd say absolutely not. Take the blame. Because you embarrass this country. You're embarrassing us now. But if you could fix a problem, that's why you go there. Chip Roy is not buying it. Cut 13. I
0: called for impeachment of my in Mayorkas 2000, in, in 2021, like three years ago. Uh, I've been out in front of this saying what we need to do. This is not political for me. This is trying to get the job done for the people of Texas that I represent. Their bill doesn't do it. They're doing it as political cover to head into November. They know that's what they're doing. And now they're trying to use it in real time. But the fact is, the American people see what's actually happening. This is not a bill that will stop it. It will not stop the flow. Children will get abused. Power uh, Cartels will be empowered. China will be empowered. Fentanyl will continue to flow.
1: So that is Chip Roy. Obviously he is fed up and he lives the border crisis every day as is Griff Jenkins virtually. Fox News correspondent <laughs> the drug he's uh, he's been at the border him and Bill Malusian more than anyone really Griff has been doing it for years uh, Fox News correspondent but does everything he's got a new special out on Fox Nation called The Drug Lord Lord's Hippos we'll get to that Griff because it's fascinating but your <laughs> thought you went over the you were going over the bill yesterday you're not for it. What have you discovered about well, it and heard the debate about it? Y- you know
9: Brian actually it was great being with you yesterday and I was holding that 370 page stack of bill and and I want to clarify I'm not for or against it I am the reporter as you point out what I was sort of uh passionately trying to convey and and it's difficult particularly in TV as 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 you know in such a confined short amount of time is that while uh there is uh w- unanimous uh appreciation for Senator Langford's torturous effort because it's not easy. I mean, they haven't had new border immigration legislation in nearly 40 years. The appreciation for him trying to undertake this, it didn't reflect some of the main concerns or accomplish some of the main goals of the border folks. I know from my sources and my border officials are among the top of the leadership saying Langford, the Capitol Hill, no one ever reached out to us to even get our input. And that was one of the early frustrations. And it's interesting, certainly, that Brandon Judd, who is a, a big, uh, 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 you know, publicly supporting Donald Trump, uh, is taking the other side of sort of saying, hey, you know what? This thing's not perfect. But as a Border Patrol union representing 19,000 agents, I say we'll take something which is better than nothing. But, when you dive into some of what I think Chip Roy was trying to get to, and what is the 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 frustrations, not just criticism frustrations with border officials behind closed doors, is that this bill, if enacted, would likely undermine the fact that you know the the, the claim that this bill would would end catch and release while it does give agents more mechanisms to shut down the border with that trigger. And we can talk about the number, which is a different part of this, but it doesn't end catch and release any more than the current laws in catch and release. What you have as an administration refusing to To apply and adhere to our laws, which would not allow catch and release to begin with. And that boils down to that asylum claim made once they cross illegally, which the majority of them, if even any of them, would meet the threshold existing now. And so there's frustration that you're going to make a tougher asylum uh, a threshold, and you're going to do uh, mass deportations, that's neither practical reality, nor is it being applied now.
1: So if a family comes from Ecuador right now and they uh, they get there, let's say they did a male, male adult, five, five male adults, and they go, why are you here? And they say, well, we feel under threat. And they say, okay, prove it. And they go, well, I can. I will go to another part of your country. It's like, well, it wouldn't be safe there. Those guys would be all turned around on the spot. Is that the, how you read it? That, that is a, a definite,
9: accurate reading of, of what that bill says. And that is the uh, additional um, enforcement authority that Brandon Judd says, okay, I'll take that if that's all I can have because it's better than what I've got now. What we've got now is instructions from high above a.k.a. from the White House, saying, you know what, the second they cross, if they say, I'm here for asylum, good enough for me, off you go. NTA, go to a court appearance 10 years down the road, and that's the mass catch and release. Now, whether or not that would be adhered to, and there is no way to force the administration to abide by it, it would be a mechanism that does exist that isn't there now. However, when you look at the practical application of the Cartel's ability to just unbelievably exploit our border with such high numbers, that's going to go out the door when the numbers swell and overwhelm the agents that aren't able to process any. And that's why the 5,000 number then starts coming into play because it doesn't matter whether there's 5, 5,000, or 50,000. You've got to find a way to put these people somewhere, detain them, put them somewhere. When we had – when I was in in September, in October, when I was in Eagle Pass, when we had literally 3,000 migrants literally under that bridge right there, at no point did they have more than 25 or 30 agents. It's 100 to 1. And there's no place to put these people. I've I've gone out and flown our drone so people could see a place called Firefly. The most they can hold is 2,500 to 3,000. And so, you know, the, the, the arbitrary number not only is something that would, according to the border officials, be highly and quickly uh, manipulated by the cartels. It would also, and this is a hypothetical based on past experience, according to the officials, tell me it would likely be um sued, the the pro migrant crowd would sue quickly because of the arbitrary number, saying everybody else other than that five thousand would wouldn't get due process. So therefore we're suing and it gets tied up in court, therefore stopping its implementation, which then puts the border patrol in a worse position uh than they're in now.
1: Here is what Langford said about the he thinks misconception about five thousand.
5: That is the challenge of trying to be able to get facts and information out like this. 5,000 number there, one's thrown around, saying it lets 5,000 people in a day, which is absolutely ridiculous and is not what the bill does at all. The heart of the bill is adds more border wall, uh, adds detention beds, adds deportation flights, adds ICE agents, adds Border Patrol agents, uh, adds fentanyl interdiction, puts sanctions on cartels uh, for fentanyl. It uh, changes the asylum laws, which has been a big issue for a long time, something President Trump asked for when he was president, it was a change in asylum law. It accelerates all of the process for our hearings, so it doesn't take 10 years to get an answer, which is the current status now. It takes. Days to weeks to months and we can actually turn people around and deport them quickly
1: so does that does does do you think that clarity is, needs to be done I mean people think five thousand we put a stop to it He says that's the total yeah. shutdown.
9: Well again, you know I, I mean, after Langford began to sort of really uh fight for for that point and and he's done a good job of of trying to to stand up for it as much as possible that's just not what the people in charge of the border. Think is going to be the case, and they're upset that it usurps the existing law of the first four thousand nine hundred ninety nine that are coming across and would be dealt with. They they say the quote that they told me, uh, uh, one of the one of the uh, board patrol uh, leaders in in the RGV sector, for example, was telling me he said, "Listen, he, he's right. It's not le- not technically letting the first five thousand in. However, it is creating." A port of entry, turning the entire border into a port of entry for the first 4999 if you're going to treat them as if they've gone through a port of entry and yeah. deal with their asylum claims. And that's the frustration is that it undermines it. But, you know, that litany, that, that laundry list of the things about the wall and about uh, uh, funding. $650 you know, million that, for the wall. Yeah, that I mean, it's like, That's you 50 know, miles, right? hey, mom and dad aren't going to get you the new car for Christmas. But, man, we are going to get the new bike and the new soccer ball and the new, yeah. you know, baseball glove. It's tough. Some and stuff has got
1: merry, but it's not it's enough. It's not nothing.
9: It's not nothing. Right. But there is there is a real frustration. And, and look, the Border Patrol officials I talked to and, and by the way, we put out look, can yesterday. I, can I ask you something that,
1: about, about what do you know about Troy Miller? I know Troy Miller is a great agent.
2: He's the CBP Troy commissioner, Miller. Troy Miller. He's a, I I, and, and
1: I know this, him. So I don't know if you respect him or not. He says he's got 30 I plus do. years. So, I, you know, some people are great experience, but they just become political hacks. I don't know. He says the proposed legislation would provide the strongest set of tools we have had in decades to effectively manage migration and enhance our nation's border security. The primary enforcement changes in this agreement, including the Border Emergency Authority, that would deem individuals who cross the border at times of high encounters ineligible for asylum and order them summarily removed changes to strengthen the credible fear interviews. So let me just tell the you know behind the scenes
9: uh stuff and that is, I was privileged to be asked to a, a private going away party for Raul Ortiz, who was the previous right. Border Patrol chief. The commissioner, CBP Commissioner Troy Miller was there. I've known Troy Miller for many years, and he gave a toast that was really among the most eloquent and and uh and and, and, and flattering and really, you know, you could see just what great pride these men in uh, women who have devoted their entire lives to this cause, regardless of whoever was in political office, the 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 jobs they did and the pride they took in it, and I think I think I have the utmost respect for for Troy Miller. I will tell you, after getting a little bit of insight, which I I, I just don't feel comfortable going too deep into, but let let me just suggest to you that I don't think Troy Miller wrote that letter. Or had a whole really? lot to do with its construction. I think that letter might have been uh, suggested, uh, uh, or or other hands helped write that letter. But but uh, the 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 sense I'm getting again in in my behind the scenes reporting, and, and the problem is the administration, you know, comes down on these uh, on these officials so hard if they speak out of turn because right. they're so controlled. If right. they would just let and them talk, we would have a clear picture. Griff, I want you to hold off. I want to talk about the hippo
1: special. Do you have a couple more minutes? I've got all the time in the world for Brian Kilmead, baby. All right, so I'll just tell Dana Perino or whoever else is on the air on Fox News <laughs> channel. I'm 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 calling the shots. Back in a moment.
0: <laughs> Diving deep into today's top stories. It's Brian Kilmead. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmead.
9: Hippopotamuses do not exist in Colombia until the early 1980s, when the once feared narco trafficker Pablo Escobar brought them here as part of his personal zoo
3: when Pablo Escobar guys they said leave the hippos here to die but the hippos were reproducing There was not like three, there were like 160 hippos spread in one area of Colombia
4: there's a real environmental problem
3: they're very, very dangerous The hippo has starting to attack people.
4: Hippos are unpredictable. If we saw one coming out here, the best strategy is just to
0: hide
3: imagine a three ton hippo in your kitchen or near your bed
9: this is a story of the drug lord's hippos
1: griff jenkins it's all part of a fox (laughs) news special fox nation special the drug lord's hippos two (laughs) minutes tell us why this is so unique This is the coolest story ever,
9: and I have the best job in television, getting to to go down to Medellin, Colombia. When Pablo Escobar, the famed drug lord, died in 1993, they killed him. He had a massive personal zoo, lions, zebras, tigers, and hippos. Why? (laughs) Because he's a drug lord. That's what they do. They're ostentatious. So they round up all the animals, donate them to local South American zoos and whatnot. But the hippos, there were four, are three-ton massive angry beasts that can run 40 miles an hour with a short temper. They said, they'll just die off. We can't corral these. They didn't. They began to multiply, and they love Colombia because of the rivers, the lush tropical land, and they have no natural predator. Now there are thousands, in the country had to declare them last year, at the end of last year, the number one invasive species, and they're trying to deal with the crisis. People are getting hurt across the country, particularly farmers and fishermen. We got close to them. We went in with the experts, and uh, it's really amazing footage along with a fascinating story. There's no way to get rid of them, right? No. And in fact, actually, just at the end of November, the Colombian government uh, announced some plan to sterilize hippos. But, you know, catching one of those and sterilizing it is a lot easier said than done.
1: Right. I mean, that might some you you'd have trouble doing that, Griff, right? If they asked you to (laughs) do it, I
9: have trouble doing it. Griff Jenkins (laughs) is
1: saying on the record he could not capture and sterilize a hippo. (laughs) I, I plead guilty. Okay. I plead guilty. Why? It's a great special. The drug lord, Hip, drug lords, hippos on Fox Nation. Griff, good job.
0: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
6: This is the result that some of us predicted. Uh, the panel was very skeptical of these arguments. What former President Trump was advancing was a sweeping and unprecedented claim of immunity. And that's, it's not surprising that this panel rejected it. The interesting thing about this opinion is that they cite the impeachment and quote from it, as saying that the president sought to incite uh, this effort to overturn the election. And that's going to go now forward. The most practical impact of this appeal was indeed the delay that it, it caused. It was very important for the Trump team to try to push this trial back.
1: And that was Jonathan Charlie announcing to the breaking news. Let me just review it with you now. Uh, A federal appeals court rejected Donald Trump's claim of absolute immunity in the January 6th case. The ruling answered a question that an appeals court had never addressed. Can a former president escape being held accountable by the criminal justice system for things that he did while in office? So they made that decision. But the unanimous ruling by a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C. handed Trump a significant defeat but was unlikely to be the final word. On his claims of executive immunity, Trump is expected to continue his appeal to the Supreme Court, possibly with an intermediate request to the full appeals court. Now, his trial is supposed to start in March. It's been a race from the schedule. Byron York, I have a lot of things to talk to you about. But first on the breaking news, not that much of a surprise, correct?
6: No, no surprise. I think Jonathan Turley was right about that. Everybody was expecting that Trump was going to lose this the question was were the courts going to just allow the actual process to continue in the in the normal way so would trump be basically given the rights of some other defendant and being able to to make an argument and then have a court decided and then him trump be able to take it to an appeals court and then on up and if you remember jack smith who really really has not <laughs> concealed his goal of wanting to try and convict in jail. He doesn't want
1: justice. He wants Um, him in jail
6: before the election. Uh, Jack Smith came up with this idea. Let's just skip this appeals court, the one that's just issued this ruling. Let's just skip this and go straight to the Supreme Court because I'm in a hurry. Um, And, you know, that was a bad that would have been a bad idea. And the Supreme Court said, no. And so they Gave it to this D.C. U.S. Circuit Court for the District of Columbia Circuit, and um, it appeared in December that they were just going to rush through it. I mean they they literally uh, scheduled briefings due on uh, the Saturday of New Year's and the Saturday of Christmas. Um, but then they, something kind of hung them up, and it took them several weeks to come up with their uh, decision, but that's pre- precisely what everybody expected.
1: So I understand it's a two, three panels, uh, two were appointed by Democrats, one appointed by a Republican, and they came up with that ruling. Now, uh, So that's what the judge says. Uh, They say, quote, for the purpose of this criminal case, Trump has been become citizen Trump with all the defenses of any other criminal defendant, the panel wrote. But any executive immunity that may have protected him while he served as president no longer protects him against this prosecution. Now, what Trump's team has brought up is, "Okay, in the future, you're not going to like this. Because uh Mr. and Mrs. Jones lost their kid tragically to fentanyl poisoning. Over and over again, this president ignored the border. I think I'm gonna sue him. That's what basically Trump's team was saying. This is a very bad precedent.
6: Yeah, and this this was not just suing him, of course, it was these are actual criminal yeah. charges, which is something and so the the thing is is even though everybody was saying, Well, Trump's gonna lose, Trump's gonna lose, this was something that had never been litigated before. It's never been tried before. So it was absolutely reasonable for Trump to to, uh, appeal this, and in my opinion, it's also reasonable for him now to go to the Supreme Court. And as you said, there's an intermediate step, which is there's a whole bunch of judges on the D.C. Circuit Court. And what they do is they pick a panel of three of them to handle this particular case and many others. Well, if the three of them make a decision and the defendant doesn't like it, he says, well, I want the whole court to hear that. Let's have the whole court consider this. Well, um, Trump basically has that right, too. So it, it could take a while even before you get a Supreme Court case on this.
1: Right. So another. So there was supposed to be the first week of March, Super Tuesday, day before, day after. I forgot. And now that's erased from the calendar. And now this is still in hyperspace, correct? So in terms of the next yeah. trial, it looks like Alvin Bragg looks like in May the next trial, that mysterious case that seems full of
3: holes.
6: Yeah. And that's uh, that's kind of the uh, kind of the joke of this whole process, which is that. If you remember, um, before the Bragg indictment, which was um, – gosh, the end of April of
3: 2023,
6: um, uh, there were, people were expecting an indictment from Jack Smith. Uh, they were expecting another indictment from Jack Smith. They were expecting one in Georgia. But Alvin Bragg was first, the first ever to indict a, a former president. But everybody at the time said, the people who want to get Trump – said, oh, you know, it's a shame this Bragg case got first because it's the weakest of the cases. It's really not very substantial. And now it, you know, it forms the public's first impression of the indictment against Trump. Well, now it appears that Bragg is actually going to be the first to go to trial. The weakest case, a case that a lot of legal scholars dismiss as just BS. Uh, And that's going to be the first one that Trump is tried on.
1: Byron York, our guest, and Byron York, Chief Political Correspondent of the Washington Examiner, Fox News Contribute. You see him all over the channel. Byron, a couple of things. The one thing that it seems to have fueled Trump's support, and from 2022, it looked like he was vulnerable after the midterm elections, since some of his candidates did not do well. And now he just has gained steam. And when these trials look so unfair, it seems to galvanize not only his supporters but the ones who are on the fence. Alvin Bragg, looking back at Stormy Daniels and me and paid off or not being paid off – and another Playboy model back from 2015 in an incident that happened in the nineties seems to be the most awesome reach possible and was rejected by the previous attorney general and only rectified after a member of the white house council went to work with New York's, uh, Alvin Bragg's department. So all this looks pure politics.
6: It does. And I mean, I've talked to Trump supporters at events and, uh, Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina, and they all, I mean like every single one of them, believes that he has been unfairly targeted. They Mostly they go back to the Russia investigation, which lasted years and crippled the beginning of his presidency and uh, on a collusion search that could not find collusion. And they believe it's just continued and, and that they, they, they saw the Bragg indictment and then the three indictments that followed. Um, as all fitting into that pattern. And by the way, there was kind of a diminishing impact of each subsequent indictment. There was a huge attention to the Bragg indictment, and then the next one a little less so, and then less so, and then less so. Uh, so now uh, they, they, we're talking about Trump supporters here. They've really tuned a lot of this stuff out because they just believe it's more mm-hmm. the same.
1: I'm sure you saw that report, that Robert Hur is doing the investigation on the documents problem, assigned yeah. by Attorney General Merrick Garland, and we have almost no leaks. But if you just in case people have forgotten, the former pre, the current president, when he was Vice President, seemed to think it was a good idea to leave top secret documents in his garage next to his corvette. Also, they found some more in his house. They went to his other house i don 't know what they found. They went to University of Pennsylvania. they did find secret documents there, uh, confidential documents there. They went to the University of delaware don 't know what they found, but he donated all his senatorial papers there, and they went to his lawyer 's office in Boston. The the Biden team is worried this is good. Pictures of these documents kept in a haphazard place will make him look bad. What's really at play here? Well, it will make him look bad. I
6: don't think there's any doubt about it. And he's tried to say, well, you know, my my Corvette's very valuable. Of course, I would take care of that. Right. So if it's in the same room as the Corvette, it's just fine. Uh, but, it, you know, it is going to look terrible now, obviously, in the Trump case there's a lot of issues of uh alleged obstruction of justice that Trump, you know, stonewalled um the uh investigators and then the grand jury right. looking into this. But in just terms of mishandling classified documents, it appears that, you know, Biden did that quite a bit. And if you remember the photo that the Justice Department released of a bunch of documents spread out on the carpet at yep. Mar-a-Lago. Trumped up Uh, which they had arranged. They had arranged the photo to show the, quote, evidence in the case. Well, who knows? We may see a photo kind of like that in the Biden garage. So, yeah, it's going to be very damaging and it's going to allow Trump supporters to say, look, he did the same thing.
1: Last minute, uh, Byron York, quick question. Uh, Is there a danger in the Republicans walking away from this uh, border deal? I
6: do not think so. I think uh, most of them believe strongly that it's a terrible deal. And the reason they think it's a terrible deal is it basically regularizes the flow of illegal crossers into the United States as opposed to stops it. And that's always been the key fundamental difference between the parties on this issue and which is the Biden, Joe Biden and the Democratic Party wanted to accommodate the flow of illegal crossers into the United States. And the Republicans wanted to stop the flow of legal crossers into the United States. That's the big difference inside that bill. And that's why Republicans won't pay a price. For right stopping
1: it. Byron, always insightful. Thanks so much. Exciting time. It's not Thank a boring you, day. Uh, back with Stuart Varney. And then I'll have some calls on the other end. Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
0: Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney & Company with Stuart Varney. Live on your radio and on Fox Business, here's Brian Kilmeade.
1: All right, that guy had such a long uh, run up to the introduction, but Stuart Varney is now going through the stock markets, doing a quick market check before he comes to me. He know, he doesn't want to check in with the market with me because I'm not I'm not much good to do some analysis and breakdown. Plus, I often charge for that. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of what's happening in the border Had a good hour already from Griff Jenkins, who spent more time at the border than anybody else in in this company and maybe in the country. So let's listen to Stuart Varney. Let's let him introduce me.
7: Brian Kilmeade, who will miraculously appear on the screen right there. Here he is. Hey, Brian, uh, Speaker Johnson doubts that the Senate's border deal solves the problem. The Border Patrol Council says it's a step in the right direction. Roll that tape, please. right now, as we speak, there are no caps to illegal immigration. As many people that that cross the border illegally, we have to take them into custody. Under this this bill, there would be a cap at 5,000. If we were to apply this bill today, we wouldn't be releasing even close to what we're releasing right now. But this bill transcends um, administrations. This will go beyond Biden. It will go beyond Trump. It will go beyond the next president. Well, there you go, Brian. A majority of media is on board with this. Border Patrol on board with it. Where do you stand on the border deal?
1: Well, a couple of things. Senator Langford joined me last hour on this show yeah. to go over through the fallacies, the truth. If you don't like the bill, I think it's fine. But just don't make up stuff. Don't make up. It's not easier to come across now. Don't say there's amnesty. There's no amnesty. There's no even amnesty for dreamers, which I thought even Trump was looking, looking to do. What what they are is now, people are worried about the word discretion, and I don't blame them. They're worried when you come to the border, right now the only way to get in is if you prove that your life is under threat and can't go to another part of your country, which is next to impossible. If not, you turn back around. Now you're going to get your case here heard in six months instead of five to seven years. That is improvement, but it is not everything. It's $650 million worth of wall, which is 50 miles. It's not another 350 miles. It is not everything. Right now, there's 19 senators, Republican senators that don't like it, three Democratic senators that don't like it. So I asked Langford, what do you do now? He goes, well, this is a start. If they want to go work on it, they can work on it. Here's the problem, Stuart. Ukraine aid, there's no—Ukrainians uh, are in uh, desperate need of, of military aid, and the Israelis are in desperate need of military aid. The Republicans said, we're linking it. So if you don't like the border bill, that means all that aid just hangs out, is going to be offered separately, which is different hurdles. Uh, For me, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think that Lankford did it sincerely. I think Murphy had to give in on a lot. I think it's also telling that the Border Patrol weighed in for it. Uh, As I just talked to Byron York five minutes ago, he does not think there's a political risk of Republicans walking away from it because there's so many holes in it. But it does show some improvement. But the people don't think that Mayorkas and others are going to follow through with the tough asylum criteria. And the next president,
7: if it's Trump, will... But if it's not, they won't. So what changes exactly what changes Uh, on the same note? Some of the migrants suspected of beating those New York City police officers were just found and arrested in Phoenix, Arizona. My question, Brian, is why on earth were they released in New York in the first
1: place? And why is New York suddenly p- paneling a grand jury to look at the case in order to find some charges on these guys? Because New York, in case you're watching around the country and around the world, which people do watch Stuart Varney's show, has decided we're going criminal first. This prideful agency has been told, you better look out. Qualified immunity is gone. You're going to get sued and lose your job and maybe your house if we catch you in a bad circumstance. And we're going to make sure the good, the bad guys... That you arrest, get right back out if that video did not emerge on forty second street last Saturday night, nothing would have been done with these guys it 's pressure on alvin bragg who's more he 's busy trying to get Donald Trump on something that happened in the '90s than he is in two thousand and twenty four trying to stop illegal immigrants from running their criminal rings. There was a president that said, I forgot his name that they 're not sending us their best. Venezuela as well is sending us their gangsters who are now on the cover of the New That's York true. Post today. On yep. mopeds, stealing bags from people and phones and dragging them through the street. We let them in.
7: Kill me. You've made your point. You made it very well. Brian, thank you very much indeed. Steve Hilton with me.
1: Okay. I feel like I was just, uh, I feel like I just got started, and I think he broke up with me. No, Steve Hilton's on set. He's going to be joining us uh, the next hour here. Uh, insightful guy. and also tell us what's happened with the king uh, when he comes over. Yes, uh, there's a king over in England, and he's got some cancer. Uh, those are some of the things that we're looking at. I just think this. If you're going to go and insult Senator Langford and call him a rhino or a lefty, uh, that's pretty insane. Have you going to call him a bad guy that insincerely approached this? That's also insane. You don't agree with the bill? Well, I'd like to know. They said you should have brought the House in on this. Really? I mean, you know with negotiations in the smallest and biggest business, in your company, you have to come up with a framework of a deal. If you have a lot of people with all these different agendas, you'll never get anything done. A lot of people choose, in this case especially, White House head representation, representation. The Democrats' representation and Senator Sinema from a border state, now an independent, represented what he thought was an urgency there and actually sided with Senator Langford on a lot of different things. But this is what blew it up. Cut one.
4: Good. This is a very bad bill for his career, and especially in Oklahoma. I know those people. They're great people. They're not going to be happy about this. Nobody's going to be happy about this. But the people in Oklahoma are You know, these are serious mega. These are serious people. They are not going to be happy about this, Dan, when they see this. This is crazy. This is lunacy, this bill. And you know what it is? It's a gift to the Democrats.
1: I don't know if it's a gift to the Democrats. I mean, the thing is, people want to stop the border. The The Democrats have finally admitted. A year ago, they weren't saying this. It's a crisis. Now it's the worst ever. Now we have a senator from New York, Senator Schumer, who could have used his power to help the problem here. Instead, he wants to talk about... Uh, Zinn, he wants to talk about energy drinks. Uh, he wants to talk about d- ignoring the border until he realized it was out of control. He does not want to handle this. He doesn't even talk about anti-Semitism, and he's Jewish. In New York, Columbia, overwhelming, NYU, uh, a Hunter College, they're shutting down bridges, protesting Israel. But all major is that everything goes on hold right now. Look, uh, if they go back and they could go make it better, but I think it's too much of a risk in election year to do it. And also, I don't think the House is even going to take it up. Uh, I do hope Ukraine gets aid, and I want Israel to get aid. Uh, you listen to Brian. Of course, make him accountable. Brian Joe Don't move.
0: News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmead.
1: Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmead here. Welcome to you. We come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Oftentimes, there are things that happen in New York that seem like we're the center of things, but this time, we are actually the center of things, especially when it comes to illegal immigration. And if I said that two years ago, you'd say, Brian, you're crazy. It's all about the border states. And it's all about Arizona. It's all about, it's all about California. It's all about Texas and New Mexico. Now, you don't hear much from those states because they got Democratic governors. But when it comes to Texas, uh, it is an absolute mess. Arizona as well. And now we're in the middle of reform. Also, we got some sad news today. Toby Keith passed away at the age of 62. Stomach cancer. Great friend of the show. He's been here many times. And would often stay for the hour Uh, extremely patriotic, uh, great songwriter, great American story. With me in studio is uh, Steve Hilton. Uh, Steve Hilton is Fox News contributor CEO of CrowdPack, former director of strategy for British Prime Minister David Cameron, who's now the foreign minister. Steve, great to see you.
10: I'm not the foreign minister.
1: You're not? No, just in
10: case anyone's worried about it. But he is. He is. He's back. How do you feel about that? I think it's great for him. I think it's lovely that people can have a second wind. In their career, it
1: very ha- doesn't happen a lot in Britain. Exactly,
10: that's exactly right. That follow off, that's exactly the point I made about it. You see it here all the time because you know we have so many things that you can do. If you want to serve, you want to do public service. You have got different things you can run for elections yeah. in different ways. If you lose an election, that's not the yeah. end. But in the UK, it has been like that.
1: And yet now he's out in the middle of the Middle East turmoil. What yeah. goes on? So I would, I do want to talk about this court case, not from a legal perspective, but what it means for the president and his prospects. So now he at Appeals Court, yep. uh, he asked uh, Jack Smith in a rush to convict the president. No question. He's not going for justice. Of course. He's going for the conviction. And he said uh, the president wants uh, immunity. He says he's got immunity. He was president on January 6th. And they said, OK, let's just go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court goes, no. you got to go to the Appeals Court. So Appeals Court took their time, and they now have since postponed the March date, And moments ago, the appeals court and a three-judge panel unanimous decision said the president does not have immunity from prosecution on what happened. But it's still not over.
10: Look, I think that, um, you know, depending on where you're coming from, from a partisan perspective, you're going to portray this as a loss for Trump and all the rest. But I don't think anyone really expected this to succeed. And it's part of the Trump strategy, the Trump legal team strategy of of delaying, which is absolutely within their right. That is – The whole approach that they're taking and it's working. It is being delayed because now it goes to the Supreme Court. Exactly. And so I think that in that sense, you know, even though you could say this particular result was a loss for Trump, I think overall he's winning the strategy of pushing these things further and further back.
1: And so what happens is that gets pushed back and they said that's the case that Jack Smith really wanted. Well, what about the documents case? Well, you got literally a million documents, and in those documents, for order for his team and any team to look at this, they need a, They need to get that highest clear, uh, clearance, yeah. and for them to do that, the the judge who Trump appointed is saying, "Okay, there's certain things that have to happen. We got to get all this stuff together. You got to get all your guys have to and your women have to get accredited. Then they got to go look at these things in private, yeah. and they got to decide where you're going to go. That looks like it's delayed, maybe into the fall." Or the summer, and then if it gets that close, do so you really want it to be in the exactly. election?
10: And that's why and I look I, at the
1: Georgia case. What a mess <laughs> that is. Exactly.
10: They're all falling apart. One of the most enjoyable things over the, <laughs> politi- politically over the last couple of weeks is watching the left react to these developments. So if you watch MSNBC, which I often do so that you, our audience doesn't have to, you watch how furious they are. Um, with her, with Fannie Willis, about how she's allowed this to happen. By the way, and own, her own behavior. Of course. And, they, and they, they just can barely concede. Like, what? She was the one that was going to get Trump. And that was the one that he couldn't pardon himself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're furious with her. They're furious about all these cases, Trump winning these delays, and the timetable slipping. And it's just a, a joy to behold because, as we say all the time, this was their strategy to try and defeat Trump because they're worried that he'll win an actual election.
1: Which uh, they, were, they are astounded on many levels that he got through the primary process. He looked like he's about to defeat Nikki Haley. He's up by 50, 60 points yeah. now. Uh, they are uh, to, uh, they're, they're dumbfounded that he's this popular. But then the NBC poll came out on Saturday and the NBC poll has him winning in every battleground state, yeah. dead heat in Wisconsin, only within one in Hispanics, killing him in men. Uh, he got now he's getting about 20 percent of the black vote. Yeah. And now he's beyond the margin of error. So the biggest legitimate attack on Trump was he'll win the primary, can't win the general. This is like five of the six major polls. Exactly. All have him winning. So you're, this is what you do point. for a living.
10: That was the whole point. Um that, that was the case that the other candidates made, and it just – especially Nikki Haley. And she was bragging about how she beats um, uh, Biden by more, etc. But actually, if you look at these numbers, they are, they are stunning. Trump's never been in a stronger position. And then you add into that the factor that we always looked at in previous Trump elections, and it was borne out in 2016 and in 2020, which is that the polls typically understate Trump's support. And so, even on the face of it, right now, he's stronger politically he's, than he's ever been, and See, and you can probably assume that there's more there as well. The final thing I'd say is look at Georgia, where Georgia. Do you remember how excited the Democrats were about Georgia? It's Georgia. It's now going to you know it's gone from red to purple. It's going to be blue. Look at the lead in – is it 10 points up, Trump in Georgia, something like that?
1: Well, you know, they do have a point. You know, they won two Senate seats in Georgia. I would yes. say the president had a lot to do with that when he refused in 2020, when he refused to go to campaign. Also,
10: yeah, by the way, terrible candidates. I mean terrible. Kelly Loeffler, you remember her? Absolute disaster as a candidate.
1: Yeah, Doug Collins would have been much better. If I don't know if you've met him. He's a fantastic congressman, lawyer, pastor, military guy. Uh, and he also uh, then you have Brian Kemp who won easily, and I thought success leaves clues. There's a clue yes. there. So that that certainly helped. But I think the most fascinating thing to me is that for right now at a similar time, nine months before the election, I know the pandemic was raging, but Trump was down 14 points to Joe Biden. So think about interesting. He's been out of power four years. He's got 91 charges, four indictments, two civil trials. One is done. One is coming. And this is still and we're waiting on the verdict on how much he's going to lose and he's going to appeal that. So, I mean, for you, who does this for a living? You must, you must find this endlessly fascinating.
10: Yes, and I think, and, and funnily enough, there's a phrase that um, comes to mind every time I think about this from someone else who does it for a living, a friend of ours, we all know her very well, Kellyanne Conway. And I, this is a phrase that she used, I think it was pretty soon after 2016, after the election, and she's on, I don't know, CNN, something like that, and, and they were dumbfounded. How on earth could this guy have won? Russia. How do you explain it, 2016? And she used this phrase that captured so much. She said, look – because they went on about you know the the tape and the pussy grabbing and all the things that you know that people can yeah. uh, despise I label it Trump differently. But we'll see. And he yeah. and he said, and she said, look, there's a difference between what offends you and what affects you. And, yeah, there are a lot of people who could be offended by Donald Trump. But in the end, it's what affects them in their life. And I think that is even more true today because they can look at it side by side. How did the Trump presidency affect them in their life? Generally very positive. How has the Biden presidency affected them? Generally negative. And so it's pretty clear to me why he's doing so well. So
1: communication is another area of your expertise. What's the message? How to get it out? When to do it? So, Trump would just literally take questions every single day. He told his press secretary, I'm tired of the way people are talking to you and disrespecting you. I'll take all the questions until we got uh, Kayleigh McEnany, who was just uh, ferocious and fantastic um, there. And they, you know, Jen Psaki did a great job for President Biden, no questions, especially compared to what they have now. So, Joe Biden's trailing, okay? when Barack Obama was trailing, when Bill Clinton was trailing, when George Bush was struggling, they could go out and make their case. Small settings, big settings, uh, town halls, friendly interviews, kind of whatever it took. But Joe Biden's trying to do a basement strategy. Yes, And that's not an option. That's He circled something that is not an option. And he had turned down a Super Bowl interview, friendly-ish interview. Probably yes. A couple of good questions probably from Gail King, because it's her career too. 40 million people watching? In an election year, why would you not take that interview? Why are you not explaining to people why the Middle East is on fire? We had 85 to 100 attacks over the weekend. Not an address. Not Just a one word. I think our our attacks are working. Here's why. Cut 26.
3: $160 billion that taxpayers... Don't have to pay to Medicare to give the this go. I make no apologies. No apologies. Roe v. Wade is taking away a woman's right to choose. Before the pandemic, there were 750, 48, or maybe r- roughly yeah, 750 billionaires in America. Right, 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 after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting. I was in, I was in the south of England, and I sat down and I said, "America's back." And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me and said, uh, "said, you know, what why, how, how long are you back for?"
1: Mitterrand,
10: to there for 20 it's unbelievable. years. Unbelievable! You think, well, who's he thinking of? I, was he? Is it Macron? And it's the probably, M probably that confused Macron. him, or what the? I mean. But it's this is why, and you're quite right about that. Um, the other thing I think, just remember, the, the was it? Um, I think it was Savannah Guthrie in the su- Super Bowl interview that he did do. Maybe the first year or the second, I can't remember. And she really pressed him to be fair to her on Hunter Biden, and he really yelled at her, snapped at her, very very rude. Um, and it was, it was, it was set up as a kind of friendly. I think they're in the kitchen or something talking about the food that they're going to eat during the Super Bowl, the ice cream or whatever. But she did ask a question about Hunter. He totally lost it. And so maybe there's an element of that as well. He's like, I just don't want to put myself out there in interviews. And as you say, that is outrageous. What an insult to the American people. Isn't this an audition?
1: In audition, do you show me what the next four years are going to be like. I'd like to make my of choice. Of course, it's so This arrogant. is not an option.
10: This is what's outrageous about this whole <laughs> thing. They all know this, right? Everyone around him, the family, all the aides, they all know. And what does that really tell you? They clearly know that he's not capable of doing the job. I mean, if this is what he's like in public, when he knows he's got the cameras on him, imagine what he's like in private. They've already told us he basically just works a couple of hours a day. And if you want to get anything done, it has to be in a very narrow time, time frame. So what it tells you is they don't care. They're so arrogant. They have such contempt for the American people that they are perfectly happy with a, with a completely, you know, just a puppet president, which is what he is.
1: So people like to sit on the outside, and I admit I'm on the outside of the Democratic Party, and they say, well, you know, they're just going to pull him at the last minute. No, 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 really. He's got control. He's, he's the president. So unless his family steps up, yeah. Barack Obama can be as popular and charismatic as he wants to be. Unless they have something on him to extort him, he could say, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm keeping this job. I like the house. I like the plane.
10: That is exactly where they are. There's a really – there's a fantastic book I read. What It Takes. It's about the 1988 presidential primary. It was great for me learning about, you know, you, it was it was mini biographies of six of the candidates all in one book. I learned so much more the
1: traditional time.
10: And 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 Biden was one of the Democrats. You had Gary Hart, Mike Dukakis, um, can't remember, um, Gephardt and Biden. And it goes into the story of when Biden, do you remember in 1988, he had to drop out of the primary because of the plagiarism. And the story of that was fascinating because One by one, his aides and his senior advisors all realized that he just couldn't go on. More and more stories were coming out. It wasn't just one example of plagiarism. There were multiple. And they all just got together and said, no, we got to stop this. You can't carry on. The one person who was fighting till the end and saying, Joe, keep going. Ignore these people. you got to keep going. Don't drop out Jill Biden back then. And so it's no surprise to me that actually he isn't getting that to be honest, humane advice that you would hope for from a family member and the closest of all, your wife, to say, look, this is humiliating. It's humiliating for you. It's terrible for the country. You had a great reputation. You're throwing it away. It's just getting worse and worse every day. But I don't think it's going to happen. I do think he will be the candidate. Amazingly enough, I I think that they're going to stick
1: through this right and uh and Kamala who evidently loses her confidence every time she watches the five
10: I mean, <laughs> that was kind of so country? great that I love that story so much
1: all right so hold on to that I also want to get your take on the border bill and what else could be coming down the pike you probably have very uh you have a uh, great knowledge probably of what's going on in the Middle East and the ramifications UK took part took yeah uh took part in the bombings over the weekend but the Houthi rebels are still going at it what is the strategy no one explains it to us so we'll come up with it back in a moment
0: Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I get
1: it, but you're asking me to give you a date, and I have to court. Do you understand that you have not had a mayor like me? I get that. I have a wife. I have children. They have schedules. And plus... We still have public safety that we have to address. We still have the unhoused that we have to address. I still have a budget that I have to address. And I'm doing all of that with a black wife raising three black children on the west side of the city of Chicago. I am going to the border as soon as possible. But i got to coordinate that with one of the government and making sure that my wife and children are secure as well. Right. Uh, So he is the (laughs) only mayor. He's Mayor Brandon Johnson of Chicago when asked, why don't you go to the border? You keep complaining about it. I want you to see for yourself and see if you could help. He says, I have a black family. So, so don't you know that? And they have schedules. I had no idea that other mayors had wide open schedules and they had no obligations. Steve Hilton, my guest. Steve, where did that come from? Oh, this, and what do you
10: do with that? Well, this guy, he's a, to- he's a joke. This man's a joke. He's the creature of the teacher unions. That's how he got where he is. Um, this kind of ridiculous sense of victim self-victimization, you know, it's just it's just embarrassing. I mean, it's laughable. But sadly, it's typical now from some of these elected officials who come from that hardcore kind of activist community who, who, who literally can't run anything. All they can do is spout the propaganda. The, the kind nobody of, wants to hear because the woke claptrap just over and over. It's, and it, it, it's sick of it because actually, going back to our early conversation, people are just interested in results. Even now, in, in these democratic cities, they're looking at the outcomes and saying, "No, we just want something done. We don't care about this stuff anymore."
1: Right? It's amazing too. What's your reaction to this so-called moped gang? Grabbing bags and phones from Venezuela organized in the Bronx. You saw that woman sixty eight years old being slammed into
10: a metal pole. It's such I mean obviously just on a human level disgusting. And but it's such an insult to every American. That's what they don't even belong here. It's so appalling. Like we've you know, you got enough crime, right? So we're importing it now. It is just an insult to everybody. And the other and, – and just to uh, – you know, that's why I think the big missing point in the discussion around the border bill is, you know, okay, fine, we can talk about what's in it, but why are we only getting it now, right? Why, what have they been doing for three years when this crisis has been just getting worse and worse and worse? Nothing. They've been doing nothing. So it's all very well to say, look, we've negotiated this big bill, but – for three years, they did nothing about well, the Well, they
1: said it wasn't even a crisis. Right. The only thing that got their attention is when the Republicans said no border. Ukraine. No Ukraine. money. Exactly. And you're Ukrainian, right? What? No, you're Hungarian. Hungarian. You're Hungarian. Sorry, I piled. They're all the same. Right. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's what, I was, that's what the mayor of Chicago said. <laughs> exactly.
10: Uh, that's good. Can I just make a little point here? Yeah. So it is actually fair to say that most of the in, – in one sense, they're all the same in Eastern Europe because they're Slavic people. So most of those countries – Russia, Ukraine, Poland, Czech Republic, are Slavic – Hungarians, very, ethnically very different. Magyar, very different.
1: Good, good We're point. We're
10: an island do you believe, in the Sea of Do you Slavs. believe that
1: we should find a way to finance the Ukrainian military?
10: Yeah, I think that you I, I've been very strong on that. I think that Europe needs to do more. They are doing more as a result of what they perceive. Proportionally,
1: they are doing Yeah,
10: more. so that's good, and, and as it should be. Um, but I've always had a very strong view that we cannot allow dictators to march into other people's countries. Are you countries. surprised
1: there's pushback from Republicans on this?
10: No, because it's been so. Here's the thing. The Ukraine issue has been so politicized by uh, Democrats and the media. And I think it's just been sort of thrown in the American people's face. All the kind of, you know, to me, when you see a U.S. senator, you know, standing there, you know, wearing a Ukraine pin, there's something off about that. Of course, show your support in different ways. But it's, it's a message to the American people that we don't care about you. And I think that that's been going on for too long. And so there's a natural reaction from the public to say, hang on a second. OK, fine. We want America to be good. Right. Good. And like the record the show, you have a
1: California. Yes, point. because Thank I you. am
10: Californian.
0: Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: I know. We know. We have a lot more to do. Not ev- not everyone's feeling the benefits of our investments and in progress yet. But inflation is now lower in America than any other major economy in the world. In the world. And in recent weeks, we're seeing real evidence that the American consumers are feeling real confidence in the economy that we're beginning to build.
1: All right, there you go. The inspirational Joe Biden, who's has an interesting, he's trying to run a basement campaign. Uh, he's trying to do it in a time in which there is no option. That's not an option, Joe. He's not doing an interview with Super Bowl. He is not doing any sit downs with anyone. He's not doing a press conference. And it's not like there's nothing going on. Jimmy Fallon knows all this. He spent years in politics. That's where he cut his teeth. Uh Fox news Saturday. He's the host of Fox news Saturday night with Jimmy Fallon. Whoa. And he's also – Fox, of course, America is going to get started shortly. And his book is now out, a guide to um, – you know, here we go, the Cancel Culture Dictionary, an A to Z guide to winning the war on fun. Jimmy, welcome back. Boom!
8: Great to see you. Right. And it's fascinating to think that most people campaign harder to be president of the PTA then than he Biden is. does to be president. It's amazing. President of the Fantasy Football League at least involves you getting on a group chat and insulting your friends once in a while. Right. This guy's doing nothing. Like, Van Jones says he's better off not speaking. Well, of course. that The best surrogate for him is not being one, which is right. fascinating. But Biden has turned the presidency to people who watch The Sopranos, okay? He's turned the presidency into a no show construction job. Right. <laughs> it's <laughs> like he's on the books, but you don't actually have to show up to the job site. <laughs> Yet he wants me. four more years. Yeah, of course. Well, wouldn't you with these hours? These are good hours. Who was John Gotti? Was he a plumber? Uh, in theory. Right, uh, in theory. <laughs> I think he was a plumber. I, I don't know what he put on his tax returns right. on the old W-9, <laughs> but I have a feeling he had his you know, hand in a few different pies. But uh, it's mm. fascinating to think where we are because we're 10 months out. We're 10 months out yes. from Election Day, and we're all watching the starting pitcher is already out of innings. You know what I mean? You know, in baseball, if you're starting is done in the first inning, you're like, wow, we're going to annihilate the bullpen.
1: Well, it's actually – I think it's nine months. Okay, and fair. I, think, I think he opened up, Jimmy, in, with Hitler.
8: Yeah, he did. That's uh, what I mean. President so, Trump is Hitler. And they uh, say okay. in comedy, yeah. you don't open with your closer. Right. Okay? <laughs> Hitler has to be your closer. By May, we okay. We have nobody else, so where are we going
1: with yeah. this? You can't play Hitler every day. <laughs> and you've said that. That's been your philosophy.
8: Yeah. I mean, there's only so much Hitler they could take in terms of the parlance, so – I'm fascinated by the spectacle, but I'm still holding out hope that he comes off the ticket. I I don't think he stays on.
1: I don't think he does. Why do you think that uh, hope? What do you mean? Well, I have a bet. You're worried about the country.
8: No, I have a a very uh, expensive bet with a TV host here at Fox. I don't want to out him. His name rhymes with Sean Hannity. Right. And uh, if I were to beat the guy whose name rhymes with Sean Hannity, he would owe me a lot of money. So he bet me on the air on his show a proportional bet. Because he obviously, you don't know this, but Hannity makes more than me. A lot of people are shocked when they hear that. I hear both sides. No, yeah, this goes both ways. But I'm telling you in confidence, just just between right. us, Hannity makes a few more bucks than me. But anyway, uh, if Biden comes off the ticket, I win the bet. And but getting past that for the good of the country, if this can't be the face of what we do, meaning I'm not speaking to you as a conservative, speaking to you as an American. Okay, we can't have an American president who goes to the United Nations and has his speech translated to English. Okay, you (laughs) you want (laughs) to translate it to 38 other languages, fine, but English is not supposed to be one of them.
1: And whether he says that the whole the world is happy he's there.
8: Yeah. Oh, stop it. I mean, there's one aspect of him that they do enjoy. He is, in a lot of ways, the weak parent. You know, mom said no, but dad said yes, or dad said no, but mom said yes. The world looks at Biden as the weak parent. You get away with stuff. Is there another president, even to his credit, Barack Obama? You could not attack our military 166 times under Barack Obama and not get some pushback. I know he didn't keep his promise about red lines in the sand and all of that, but he still was also at the same time deporting people and doing things that stood in some level for America.
1: Well, the thing is the reason why people thought he can come back to George Bush would be able to come back and that Bill Clinton was able to come back even from impeachment is because they could talk. Yeah. And they could outwork you. you yeah. know? And, you know, if they can, they'll do uh, four or five appearances a day. He can't do it. That's no. what I find so fascinating. Steve Hilton, who's your idol, uh-huh. uh, was here earlier. He actually read a book about the elections of 1988 and said something to our audience fascinating. Whoa. He said that everybody was pushing Joe Biden to get out because he was caught plagiarizing. Yep, I remember this. And he held out to the last minute because of Jill uh-huh jill was pushing him not to get out but doesn't that make sense yes instead of jill being the first to say get out we don't need this yep like for example melania mm-hmm. you know that she, you know michelle obama never loved the white house nope you would be like listen let's get we don't need this yeah
8: let's get out of here yeah. we did it and you know to that point i think that's what we're watching play out here is you know you talk about being drunk on power people in the biden administration have a lot more say whether it's jill or any bureaucrat ...than you would on a, under a traditional able-minded president. Right. You know, we've all seen the clip of him talking about Mitterrand. Okay? That's not new. And it's a difference between a slip of the tongue and a 30-year slip of the mind. Okay? And the last thing I need is Biden getting on TV and promising that if things don't wrap up in Ukraine... ...he's going to personally kill Gorbachev. You know? Right. And then uh, correct himself and go, I meant Yeltsin. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, no. the, remember that throwaway line that he gave after that speech yep. uh, in the Ukraine... Uh, it was actually in Poland, yeah. and he said, uh, he's got to go. Yeah. Uh, excuse me? Did you just go for a regime in Russia? <laughs> I mean, we were pretty certain to not do that really
8: since the Bolsheviks took yep. over because yep. he won a world war. Yep, but this is the problem we have. But back to him not doing the Super Bowl interview. The reason it matters to people listening, He's got like, oh, what's the big deal? Super Bowl interview. Two-thirds of the answers are guacamole. But right. there is a reason. Okay, it's because we have a president they won't let out in the field. His press conferences, as you know, are plays. He has a list of reporters. He has a list of answers. That's not a press conference. That's political theater.
1: So did you ever – a lot of people are shocked that uh, Donald Trump's at the point now he's beyond the margin of error. Mm -hmm. He's winning in every battleground state except for his Todd in Wisconsin. Here's Glenn Greenwald, a guy that's known to be on the left but a very logical, smart guy, cut 30.
8: It's kind of amazing that the parts of the corporate media that are desperate for Biden – to win, which is pretty much every part of the corporate media other than the network that we're currently speaking on, is all but explicit that their real strategy is to ensure that Donald Trump is convicted before the election. That's why they're freaking out, because they know that's really one of their only chances. And if you look at polling data, including their own, the new poll that came out from NBC, what they're finding is that even voting groups that have long been loyal to the Democratic Party, like young voters and Latinos, Trump is now tied with Biden and is consolidating his lead with the Republican voters. Imagine what it says about the corporate media that they spent seven years telling people Trump is a white nationalist, a fascist, a criminal, an insurrectionist, a dictator, and the American people are just tuning them out, and Trump's lead is increasing. It says so much about how the legitimacy of these media outlets has collapsed. Totally. I mean, it's the same thing to be said for indictments. There was a time when you got indicted and stepped down that night. You vowed to spend more time with your family. And then immediately flew off to an all-inclusive with your side check. Politics. We know how this right, works. Right, right. <laughs> okay, but there was a time when one indictment was the end of the game. We got 91 of them. And it's a sadder commentary on the state of our justice system than it is on Trump under Trump.
1: So to think about this, what must they be thinking when they see Fannie Willis having a full-blown affair with a guy that's in a controversial divorce that got a position he didn't deserve to get a pay rate that was more oh. than the others, mm-hmm. knowing this could be all exposed? This is her judgment yep. at which time he gets it. You know what is specialty was? It was
8: car accidents. Oh, I thought it was foot massages. Right. So, so, yeah, it could be.
1: So, <laughs> so they end up flying around with the money that yeah. she gave him. An ambulance So that's the person
8: that decided to go Rico with this president of the United States. Well, this is the scam of the moment we're living in. And it started the second he entered politics. You as someone who knows Trump know this better than anybody. He has always been a f- part of the fabric of polite society meaning he had a show on NBC for 15 years. That's hardly a fringe guy in a shed, okay, the Clinton's going to his wedding and all of the relationships he had across the political aisle. When he came down the escalator, they manufactured a hysteria, and they tried to pretend this was something we didn't know and had never seen before, when everybody telling you that had spent the last 30 years hanging out with the guy. But that manufactured hysteria has allowed them, at least in their heads, to justify a lot of unprecedented attempts to get rid of the guy. But what you're realizing now in the polling is that people see through the scam, as they just said earlier. Calling him racist doesn't work in the black community. And it's the best clip of the week is the one I saw on MSNBC over the weekend when they're in the black barbershop. And the guy's like, all right, you know, the way my friends look at it, they had money under Trump. They don't under Biden. That's it. Okay. You calling somebody racist, if the money's better, and you call me whatever you want. Okay.
1: He's cut twenty
0: nine. Oh a lot of my friends are obviously my age, so we're a little younger. We've only voted once, you know, for actually for a
6: president. And Trump is kinda of all we know. And they're kinda of Trump and Biden.
0: They're like, Well, we were broke with Biden. We weren't with Trump. And that's kind of the only thing that I'm hearing over and over again, over and over yeah. again, is that, well
1: Trump, we had money. Now, do you bring this up in your book?
8: Oh, yeah. Cancel Culture Dictionary. A to Z Guide to Winning the War on Fun. The whole premise of the book is that we're fighting all the wrong battles. It's like if you look at the borders overrun, okay, Inflation went through the roof. Nobody can read anymore at a grade school level. Well, like, I've got it. We'll fix the halftime show at the Washington Redskins game. Right. You know, I've got Aunt Jemima, we'll screw her family out of royalties they've been receiving for 130 years. I've had it with the pancakes. Right. Okay? And that's the point. We're living in a country where 70% of the people think we're going in the wrong direction. You don't need to come after comedians because we have, the world is on fire. We're just roasting the marshmallows. Aren't you doing a signing on Long Island? I am. Friday night, I am in Bayshore. At the Barnes and Noble, right there in the Gardner Manor Mall, and then Saturday, uh, I'm. I always like to give the little people a bounce. so I'm, I'm having Dana Perino out Saturday to the Little Point uh, Bookshop, right. in New Jersey. The only thing little you know about going. Perino
1: is she's shorter than you, but she is a monster of oh, stature. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
8: you have a real problem if she's upset. Yeah, like she. Is, if if there was a Pulp Fiction about this movie, she's the wolf. Like the wolf's going to show up, you going to have a problem.
1: You know, I, I love that uh, Little Point Bookshop because, you know, in the first they did it, you just signed on a podium. But mm-hmm. now they have a range of mini living room. Yeah, yeah. So these people are right there. Yeah, also, really if cool. you insult them, they'll take a swing at you.
8: Well, it's Jersey, and you like that. Right. It's, it's the, the they're fiery. They're Jersey, fiery. They're Jersey fiery. is the original cancel culture. Right. If you say something wrong, you wind up in somebody's trunk on the way to a landfill. Right. I like the stakes of it all. Or Atlantic City. There you go. Either one. <laughs> I'll take the landfill. So this is
1: good because WABC <laughs> listeners will have a chance, yep. and WLAR listeners will have yep. a chance to go follow you over there in Bayshore. We would love that. Now, are you
8: personable? Well, I know you're personal with me, but are you personal with other people? Can I tell you something? When I do a stand-up event, and people will attest to this, I meet everybody there. First of all, I'm so humbled by the idea that anybody would want anything to do with me, right. spe- considering the things I wear on TV. Right. Uh, but I meet everybody. Uh, so, yeah, if you're coming to a book launch, the, I talk to you till you're sick of me. You know, It's the other way around. But, I mean, that's the fox hook. That's what you do. That's why you're on the road is like we win because we're real people. Could right. you imagine, for real, for, as a joke, going to an MSNBC? First of all, MSNBC wouldn't have an event. Right. But could you imagine the a millionth of a second between when that camera flashes and they literally shove you away from them? Uh, My goodness.
1: Yeah, we're well, regular people. They hire uh, regular people thank here. You. you know, the first one I saw, the superstar that did that, mm-hmm. uh, was Sebastian. Really? So I'm at Governor's, uh-huh. and everyone's like, You got to see this comedian, Sebastian uh-huh. Matiscalco. Uh-huh. And I go, All right. Uh-huh. So he was really good. Uh-huh. So he leaves. He runs from backstage right to the door, yep. and he greets
8: everyone leaving. Yeah, he's friendly. Yeah. Um, I have a funny Sebastian story. If you'd humor 30 seconds, are we up against Heartbreak? I'm sorry.
1: Oh, wait, How many bucks? How many have we paid Jimmy for? Do you know, uh, Eric? <laughs>
8: Two?
3: okay. Get we'll take a break. Party. We okay.
1: have a Sebastian story from Jimmy, who is going to be seen on Long Island this weekend. Where do we find out uh, the exact date, time, and everything? You have a website. Oh
8: yeah, go to foxacrossamerica.com. dot com. Okay, the Fox News Facebook page. It's there, you and of
1: course, this. the Cancer Culture Dictionary, uh, an A to Z guide to winning the war on cult, uh, to winning the war on fun. And the Fox News Saturday Night with Jimmy Fallon, which is uh, follows me 10 o'clock on Saturday nights. Uh, Jimmy, uh, stay here. Back in a moment.
0: Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Killmead coming up. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
1: Hey, uh, Jimmy Fallon, when we first left, and of course he's got some big signings over this weekend uh, on Long Island, uh, he's got the cancel culture dictionary A to Z uh, guide to winning the war on fun. You also, I haven't mentioned yet, not only the book, but you have a Fox special too.
8: Oh, Fox ju- Nation special. On the book itself. Listen, the book is better than the movie. And what I mean by that is the movie doesn't pay royalties. Buy the book, foxnewsbooks.com. I'm kidding. They're both great. Okay. And uh, the truth is my whole book, okay, is my experience as a comic watching how cancel culture didn't ruin the celebrities. It made life harder for us. Meaning like when Roseanne got canceled, Roseanne is sitting on 80 sitcom money. I'm going to go out on a limb and say she might have blown a few bucks on pills and weed based on her Twitter feed. I don't know that to be certain. But for the most part, she's going to be fine. Okay, but when the rules of speech change on the rich, they change on the regular people. And we're the ones with a lot more to lose. So all I'm trying to do is reset the magnet in the compass instead of going after comedians and musicians and actors and sources of escapism. I'm saying, you know, we have real issues to police. Let's police the streets Mm -hmm. harder than the comedy clubs. That's what I'm saying. Now, the Sebastian story. Oh, this is funny. Okay, you might appreciate this. Okay, so I was opening for Sebastian at our mutual friend Chris Mazzilli's Gotham Comedy Club. As you know, Sebastian is murdering. He's beating people within an inch of their lives. But if you are a local New York City comic who works a home club, you have your stock set, which in front of the right crowd is the best set in the history of comedy. You don't deserve the laughs you're getting. You just know your audience so well that you can't physically miss with a single joke. So I'm, I'm being upfront about this. I did better <laughs> than I deserve to do with the level of proficiency I have. But when the show is over, okay, a group of girls come running down the stairs as I am talking to Sebastian's beautiful, lovely wife. And they go, Oh my God, you're so much funnier than Sebastian. You have had a lot of, because they just liked my stupid, smutty stuff. Right. He's clearly better. Okay. But I say to her, Oh, this is a funny inside baseball move. They don't realize you're his wife. They thought I was hitting on you. They were trying to help me out by saying I was better. Yeah. And she's like, Wow, comics really do that? I'm like, all the time. Because I don't <laughs> I don't want to not get booked to open for him at this point. Right. So she dies laughing. Two dudes walk out of the ba- of the bathroom, and they're like, bro. Way funnier than Sebastian, bro. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, oh, so I'm never opening for him again? And yeah. I, I, it's not why I didn't because he was just on the road. But he was a good guy to work with and, and a real guy in that. Like we were talking about us, we'll talk to you. Like you even talked to my family at airports, which you have. You don't, you right. don't know them that. Uh, we never talked about You don't know that. them yeah. that. They yeah. stalked you at an airport.
1: Right. Like, yeah. But then we hung out. And then, mm-hmm. we, uh, then we bought books and magazines together. <laughs> so it was fantastic. <laughs> um, but what was I going to say? No, we did actually. We saw in the bookstore. They followed us out. I
8: think it was yep. Jacksonville. Yep, I think that's where it was. What it was. Um, so, so Jimmy, when's next time you're doing a show? Um, so I go back out on the road. It starts March 1st. I've got 40 cities. I got to hit between March and July. Um, if you want tickets, Fox across com. Uh, you can get tickets to anything I'm doing. The tour starts in Idaho falls. It's called the everybody calm down tour. And uh, it makes its way to Biloxi, Mississippi on ju- the last gig of the day, uh, the uh, gig of the tour.
1: Now, I'm going to be April 27th in Henderson, Nevada. You oh. played there before at the Green Valley Ranch. Oh, You're going yeah. back,
8: aren't you? I'm going there July 5th. All right. I love the Green Valley Ranch. I'll right, tell to them properties. to wait for you. I <laughs> mean, do, do, do you <laughs> think the people in Nevada will understand me? Yeah, you're going to crush. I got to tell you something. They came and watched me and Kennedy for real. The Laughs and Liberty Tour. They were the best. You cannot offend a Nevada con. I tried. Believe me, I tried everything. These are great people. No, you love them.
1: And the thing is, they come visit. They're always on vacation or something, right? No one really lives there.
8: Whoa, whoa. No, this is what you're going to notice. So at Green Valley, a lot of them are more local. Okay. You're getting the locals. They're not on the strip. It's slightly off the strip, but it's gorgeous. It's a it makes you it makes me think anyway that my that. career was going a lot better than it was oh, okay. the first time I was there.
1: So BrianKilme for that. So Jimmy, one more time to people see you in person this weekend.
8: Uh, if you want to see me Friday night on Strong Island, Long Island, I'll be in Bayshore at the Barnes and Noble and the Gardner Manor Mall. Hey, girl. And then Saturday, the Little Point Bookshop with Dana Perino.
1: All right. Down in New Jersey. Let's go. Now, listen, we have uh, stations all around there, but especially WABC listeners. Go there. Jimmy will put you in line, take a picture with you, too. Oh, right? well,
8: it's going to happen? We're all signing right. books, bots, whatever you're into.
1: That's it's not, <laughs> totally unnecessary. you got a show <laughs> coming up.